Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Amen. Thank you so much, Liam. I'm even going to give you a pass on calling me Matt in the, uh, in the prayer. It's acceptable uh, then and then, then only. Well, thank you, Liam. So we are in the middle of our Vision and Values series, as uh, Liam pointed out. And so far in this series, we have looked at this idea that we are a church changed by the gospel, the good news of Jesus' love, mercy, and grace. And that's available to all people everywhere. And then last week, we looked at, we, we, at the value of family, and that we do that as a family, and that church is meant to be family, and that we get to live that out with brothers and sisters in Christ, and that, that goes deeper really than even our blood family. And then this week, we're looking at our third value, mission. If you think about Jesus' life, and if you study his life, Jesus actually chooses some of his very last words to communicate the mission of the church that he is sending the church on to make disciples. Uh, Maybe the most classic passage on this is Matthew 28, which is why I actually chose Liam to read uh, Luke's version of the Great Commission. But in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you're familiar with the Great Commission, and if you look at the Great Commission here behind me, there are four verbs in English. We see go, You can go back to the previous slide. We see go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Now, it's been a long time since I've been in grammar, but I think that's four verbs that we would see in our English. But in Greek, in the original language, there's only one verb, make disciples. And so, in other words, all of the other verbs that we use in English are more like participles. They are basically reinforcing the central core verb of this passage to go and to make disciples. And so you said, what is, the, what is the core purpose of the Great Commission? What, what is the commission that Jesus gave to the church, to that church family that we've talked about, is to make disciples. And we do that how? By going, by, by teaching, and by baptizing. So sometimes you think about going, and, and I always like to say it's, it's, it can be as simple as going next door, going across the street, going to the cubicle next to you, maybe going to a, a private Zoom chat. I don't know if you're working from home. Uh, it can be going to somewhere else in our city. It can be going somewhere else in our nation. It can be going somewhere else in the world. But the central thing that we are to do as a church, and the church is made up of the people, the body, is to go and to make disciples. Nahadi Lewis, a uh, mentor kind of from afar, he said, disciple making isn't a ministry of the church. Disciple making is the ministry of the church. And so it's not a ministry amongst many other things. We do all these things, and here is one of them. It's like, no, this is the core central ministry and so when you think about a church, and I know we have, we're kind of a streamlined and have uh, not a whole lot of programs by design, and we may stay that way. But I mean, even if a church has a bunch of them, ideally, all of those are pointing towards the ministry of making disciples. And it's not just an add-on ministry. And so sometimes when churches reevaluate what they're doing and should they get rid of something and their budget, all those things, a lot of times they'll say, if they're a healthy church, they'll go, well, 
If it isn't going towards the purpose of making disciples, then we probably are going to nix this. We're probably going to get rid of it. Uh, Robert Coleman, in his um, classic book on evangelism, he said, The Great Commission is not merely to go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel, nor to baptize a lot of converts, nor to teach them the precepts of Christ, but it's to make disciples, to build men and women like themselves who were so constrained by the commission of Christ that they not only followed Jesus themselves, they led others to follow him too. He goes on to say, so the criteria about what a church should measure its success, right? When you, when you look at a church, right? Don't, no, nobody answer this out loud because it might be too painful. But when you say, like, how's the church successful? Most of the time, especially in our mindsets, we look at it and we go, how many people are there? How big is their budget? Those are kind of uh, the criteria that most people would use. And man, look, they're a thriving church. Well, what makes them thriving? Well, they've got hundreds of people showing up. But he goes on to say that, uh, the way that a church should measure success is how many Christians, how many people that make up the church are actively seeking to make disciples. Because we can gather a huge crowd and not be going after the core purpose of the commission that Jesus gave to us. And so that begs a question on the front end this morning. Now, I didn't want to assume this because I grew up in church, and so I heard the term disciple a lot, and go make disciples. And it's like, I know, okay, I know what we're supposed to do. And then it was kind of left that, like, well, what is, it? what is a disciple exactly? And then how do we see disciples made? And so what is a disciple? I've given a, a classic, um, kind of a simple definition. If you Google it, you'll probably find something along these lines. But I put, a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus who has a rhythm of life of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And so there's kind of the three core elements that, that as one who's following Jesus and a disciple it is, you want to be with Jesus. And by being with Jesus, you will become like Jesus. And by becoming like Jesus, you will then go and do what Jesus did. And so practically, this means adopting a lifestyle of Jesus and putting his, teaches, his teachings and his practices into practice in your everyday life, in every aspect of your life. That's why it's just a long obedience in the same direction. Because we hear that, and I think we can go, yeah, that, sound, that sounds right, that sounds good. But reality is that, that that takes a long time to actually follow through and to put his teachings in every aspect of our lives. But over time, it changes every area of how we live. And so that is a, a, what a disciple is. And this morning, we're going to look at two things when it comes to the value of mission that we have here at Sojourn. The first thing we're going to look at is church as a missionary. And so we looked at last week as church as family. But this morning, I'm going to basically say that we should also be collectively a missionary. That's not only that we handpick a couple of people and we send them to different places, although we do want to do that, but collectively that we are a missionary, that we're a missionary unit. And then the second thing, and hopefully when I get to that point, I'll explain the title, but uncomfortable mission. And so the first thing is church as missionary. If you've been in church for very long, you've probably heard the idea of missions and that every church has a mission. But for many churches, the way that they have fleshed this out is by outsourcing missions to those who are called to go over there, meaning some far away place. It's uh, the impression you might get is for a special few people. It's kind of for the elite forces and that they're called to leave family and friends and they go do missions in a faraway land. And oftentimes they sacrifice the daily comforts that we take for granted. That that's, that's what missions is and that's what missionaries are and that those are the people who go on mission. But here's what I want to point out to us. It's an incredibly important fact and reality about mission and why it's our third value at Sojourn. The Great Commission, what we're looking at here in Matthew 28 and in Luke 24, it was given to the entire 
church. Every man, woman, and child. Not just a professional class of missionaries and pastors. And therefore, for a church to be mission-minded, to a church to be a missionary, then every single person has to see themselves as a missionary. And so mission, therefore, should be the unmistakable activity of every single Christ follower. As we take part in God's mission, God who's restoring all things back to himself. And so mission is intentional, and it happens in our everyday life with both local and global engagement. Now, before you turn me off, because I can see some faces and eyes like, wait a minute, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that I signed up for that. Just stick with me, and hopefully I'll be able to help explain this for us and what this looks like. So how are we, as a church, as sojourn, how are we a missionary? The first is by engaging our domains, what I call our norms and our networks. Think about where you are in your daily life, right? Sundays and Saturdays probably look a little bit different for you, but Monday through Friday, that's where you do most of your life. Some of you spend more time with your colleagues than you do maybe your roommates or, or your family because you, you're with them so much. And so think about your norms and your networks. The reality is that very few of us will be vocational ministers or missionaries. And let me, let me let you in a little secret. I actually argue that's a really good thing. I think gone are the days uh, where we see the majority of people doing ministry as full-time vocational. Uh, honestly, it's been a hard reality that I've got to kind of shifted when I was in seminary. I remember looking and going like, okay, we've, we've got this. But I think the positive is that if we can see every man, woman, and child to see it as their role and their responsibility, then the reality is we are engaging every aspect of life as people are living out the great commission that Jesus gave. And so very few of us will be vocational ministers or missionaries, but every single one of us is called to be what I call everyday missionaries. David Allen Black, a Greek scholar who actually had the privilege of taking in seminary, struggled through that course, but made it. He has a quote, and he says, Don't think for a moment that it is more honorable to go to seminary and become a pastor than it is to serve God faithfully as a nurse or a salesperson. Missions is the intended vocation for the whole people of God, no matter what your occupation may be. So that should be encouraging news to every single one of us in here. Because don't think, oh man, I've never been to seminary and, and I never did this. Go, and you might be a, a nurse. You, you might be a, a pharmacist. You might be a therapist. You might work for the IRS. You, you might be an architect. You might be a designer. You might be a student at school. You might be going back to school. You might trade crypto online during the day. But they always have these vocations, these roles. We get to leverage that in our lives for everyday mission. You see, the, the basic platform that society is built on are, are these things called domains, or some would call them domains. It's kind of the infrastructure of how just the world works together. And when we as a church operate collectively as a family, but then a family that's on mission, we also um, we, we operate in these domains, meaning where you work, it should be more than a paycheck. Now, you may hate your job right now. I get it. I've had those jobs. You might be in a dead-end job. So it might be seasonal, but even the season that you're in, that as a follower of Jesus, you can say, you know what? This is what I've typically done in those jobs. Like, God, I hate this job. I don't want to be here. I know you've got some kind of purpose. You're teaching me a lesson, but how can I leverage this time here until I move on to the next place? So even if it's temporary, that, you, that is your primary platform. Think about your job. Where do you spend most of your week? It's your primary platform for how you engage in kingdom advancement. So you've not simply been called to a career but you've been called to a mission. 
and your career is your primary platform that you've been given to live out that mission. So let me go to the next slide. I've got a, a visual of this. So when you see this, this is society, and these would be those domains. And you can probably, with maybe exception of one or two, you can probably find your, spec, your sphere of life, your career, what you do most of your week in one of these um, domains of society. And I think traditionally when people hear about, you think about your life, and, and you, you would categorize it, and you'd put like, your specific job, and then you say, where, where does church fit into this picture? And you'd probably put another line with a little circle in church. But no, that's got it all wrong. It's got it all backwards. That we, collectively, we are in society and we exist in all of these domains of society. And as followers of Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit within us, we get to be sent out each week into all of these areas. And so even a church of our size, we can say, man, we have missionaries in every domain of society. That's why the end of most gatherings, we end it by saying, Now go and be the church, or we send you out to be the church, or we could say, go and be the missionary in your domain. In other words, where God has placed you, where you're gifted, where your passions are, that you get to go and engage all of these areas. That's why I love the idea of the church gathered, what we do on Sundays, and the church scattered, because the majority of the week, we are scattered, and we get to be sent into these areas, and we get that Wednesday, hopefully it's like encouraging, pick me up, like, oh, okay. All right, all right, we go back out and then we get together Sunday again and we get to celebrate what God is doing in all of these areas as we're all missionaries. Second is we are being a church for and with the city. That we are on mission both locally and globally. And so at Sojourn, we do this a few ways when we look at it locally. That broadly, we are a church for Portland because we exist in the city of Portland. And in a few different ways that this looks for us. We have citywide initiatives. I was on a call on Thursday with 95 other pastors talking about ways that in 2023 we are working. We had someone there from the, um, the governor's, um, no, sorry, the mayor's office on how we can engage locally with different things that are happening in our city. So it's pretty cool if you think about it, if you know what you know about Portland, that, that there's a collective group of pastors who are meeting with the mayor's office on a regular basis. And they're saying, how can you guys, meaning the church, help Portland in the crisis that we're in? How can you help improve us upon this? And so there's ways that we will be involved with some citywide initiatives. Uh, this is why we partner with the Portland Rescue Mission. This is why we're doing our coat and blanket drive this month, and why we occasionally will go and do meals with the men at the harbor. Uh, this is why we do some stuff with every child, with the foster care system, and, and just with that whole, whole area of life. And then a little bit more, um, kind of a little bit closer, we're a church for, broadly for, for North and Northeast Portland. Now, I know we have people who don't live in North and Northeast, so please don't hear that. Like, you're part of the family. I'll cry if you leave today and you're like, okay, I can't be a part of that. But by our locale, right, where we are right now, naturally, a lot of our focus and emphasis is going to be in North and Northeast. Alberta Arts District, the Concordia neighborhood, uh, Vernon School, that's why we have some of these partnerships, because this is kind of where we've been built. This is our home base. But once again, all of you are represented in, in these other areas, and, and all of you, some of you live in the other, as this was Portland and this is Northeast, and some of you live in these other areas as well. And so that's an okay thing that we get to send each other out. Third, being a church for our world. While, yes, we're engaged locally to the place that God has called us, we also are a church for our world. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Acts 1, 8, if you guys didn't pick up, this week's kind of like last week. I have multiple scriptures. I'm not just looking at one. We'll get back to that soon enough. Acts 1.8 
says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we see here that implicit in our gospel commission is the commandment for global engagement. It begins with Jerusalem. What's our Jerusalem? Anybody? Portland. I heard somebody say it. Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is Portland. What would, what's an example? What would be our Judea and Samaria? United States. Could be Oregon. Could even be, um, I was talking to somebody. I've, I've actually had a family who, uh, they don't feel called to move to Portland, but they kind of live in and around the area, and they moved to Hood River. And they have asked me, kid you not, probably four times if we would pray about moving to Hood River to plant a church because they would, join, they would join our core team. Don't worry, I've said no. But it got me thinking, based on their experience, and I haven't like gone and visited all the churches, they're having a really hard time finding uh, what they would call as a, a solid Bible-believing church. And so it got me thinking, even this week, because we had some correspondence, I thought, man, maybe, I know we're in, it doesn't look like we're there, but maybe we eye Hood River as a potential place down the road that we would help have someone come and join us that we would send out to start a church in Hood River. And then it stretches, our commission, our global engagement stretches to the ends of the earth. And so if you've ever wondered, is there hope for our nation? Is there hope for our cities or hope for our world? There is hope, and it's, the hope comes in Jesus and the gospel, but he's also given us a role in that hope as we go and engage in all of, in, in Portland, in our nation, in our world. And so practically, we do this global engagement a few ways. And once again, as a church our size, we're going to grow into these. So one of those is the International Mission Board. Uh, we've, we've got some partnerships. Uh, some of these are kind of uh, in flux right now, and I can explain those later. But uh, London was an area that we were that we were eyeing. Our representatives there are actually back in Oregon now, and so we're trying to figure out what that would maybe look like. Um, my uh, my family has still has a really dear heart for India, and we have lots of relationships over there, and what that could look like. Uh, and then uh, Sylvania and some other areas that we just some people in our our church community, our church family, have a heart for. Uh, this is why we take up a Christmas Christmas missions offering. Every penny goes to local and global. Most of it goes to global. Like, usually it's like 80% of it goes to global missions. Every single penny. They say, man, we want to help see our resources go to expand this mission. Uh, prayer. You know, that's probably one of the primary ways. And so that we can pray for different um, people groups. And then we can pray for different people who are going overseas. And then encouragement. Uh, we've had the McCoy family here before. And uh, you know, families like that who, who said, man, we feel a specific calling to go, and we want to we encourage them. And so as we continue being a church for our world, here's how things are going to help equip us better. As we engage with other cultures and other, other people groups, it will help us far better be prepared to understand our own culture and to engage here locally. And so really the local and the global work hand in hand. And we have a desire, uh, a goal, a long-term vision to send out missionaries to different parts of the globe. And so as we would see people who feel a leverage and a calling, once again, most of us will be everyday missionaries, but some people will feel a specific call to go to an area. It might be for a season. It might be six months. It might be a year. It might be longer. And we want to be part of that and seeing this message and this mission go forward. And so to be clear, at Sojourn, mission is not an optional add-on. This isn't, you might hear that at some churches. We got all these things, and here's the buffet of options, and then we're going to add mission. Like, for us, it's not an optional add on, but it's a normal pattern and rhythm of our church that we are always on mission. Everything that we do, this is like one of the things that we don't ever, we won't really get a vacation from because it just incorporates who we are and, and who God is making us to be. 
Part of being a church for our world means that we care about unreached people groups of the world. Now, that may make no sense to you what that even means, but currently, there are 17,446 people groups in the world. Of that 17,446, 10,021 of those are considered what they call reached. Reached meaning, I think it's still actually a pretty low definition, but, but reached is like typically 2 to 3% of that population or of that people group would identify as a Christian, as following, following Jesus. So that means there's 7,425 unreached people groups. And there's also, I didn't look this up, there's also what they call unengaged, unreached people groups, which would be people who have never heard the name of Jesus, they don't have a copy of scripture, uh, they've never had a gospel witness in their mother tongue. And so an unreached people group is a group amongst which there is not a, uh, there might be a, a believer, there might be someone following Jesus, but it's very, very minimal. There's less, a lot of times there's less than half a percent of that population, of that people group who would be following Jesus. And so we care about those people groups. If we really believe the message that we say we believe, we believe, we care about them. And we care about these people groups because God cares about them. That's, that's like the number one reason why we care about them, is God cares about them. And he created them in his image. And his commission, that's part of it, is saying to the ends of the earth. So yes, we want to we engage locally, right? We want to we wanna be part of the city of Portland um, Changing for positive and changing towards looking more and more like heaven on earth. I can say it that way. You know, even, even on that note, our city has changed a lot in the last couple of years. And I was reflecting this week, and I, I, I think sometimes I say things, and it, maybe it comes across judgmental. You don't have to shake your head yes to that, but um, I put this online. I was just reflecting. You know, it's been hard to live here for the last couple of years, if I'm just completely honest. And so there's, there's temp- there is temptation to leave and to go other areas. And that's okay, that happens sometimes. But as I was reflecting, it was almost like the Holy Spirit kind of impressed upon me. So, kind of the extent, like, if, if someone feels called to an area, right? That's why, why we did move here. When it's, like, at its height, when it's hip and it's cool and it's, like, the best top ten list of everything. But they don't still feel that same calling when that city goes through an identity crisis and looks completely opposite then I think you have to question your motivation. Maybe it was just a really cool place to move and to, and to live. And so I say that to say that, um, to be transparent, I'm committed, and it's like our church to be committed to, to being with this city and being for this city through all the transition, through all the change, and that we want to be here as it's rebuilding. Um, on that call, was on this week, I heard a, a pastor who's been working here for probably 25 years. And he said, I don't know about you guys in my life, he was just talking about when he came to Christ. He said, but I had to hit rock bottom before I ever realized my need, and then basically it since got built back up. And he was like, that's what we're called here to do. Like, our city's almost hitting rock bottom. Our city's kind of going through this identity crisis of not sure, like, who it is and what it's about. But in some ways, that might be a good place that we need them to be as we, as we invest in the city, as we exist for the city, to see them built back up and we can point them to our Savior. So that was, number one, church as a missionary. Number two, uncomfortable mission. So I want to be clear, because I don't, I don't want to get any misleading things, that devoting one's life to God's mission is not easy. Even though we're all called to do it, it's not easy. It's, it's part of being something that's bigger than us, bigger than our, than our world. And oftentimes it's hard to quantify it. It's hard to see the fruit of what it is. And, and so it's, it's easy to want to throw in the towel, because like, I don't see the results that I, I would like to see. But as we devote our life to mission, we quickly realize that we have an inability. We can't make anything happen. 
And it's God who has to make it happen. That he just wants us to, to follow him in obedience and say, God, I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here however you want me to do it. But you're the one that has to make this happen. And so think about mission. It's not a project with a start date and an end date. That would be easy if we said, man, starting January 2023, May 2023, it's done. That's not how it works, though. It's, it's that long obedience in the same direction. It's, it's a continual process. And so mission can be hard. It can be uncomfortable. But it's also refining. It helps strip away the non-essentials of our life and it helps us focus our purpose. God, why have you created me? What is, what is the purpose you have for me? And since the beginning of creation, God has been on mission to make himself known to humanity. And here's, the, here's like really, what's really cool is God's invited us to join him in that. So God's already doing the work. He's been, he's been doing it from creation, but he's now invited us to be part of that, to help making him known to humanity. And so if we take this seriously, then it means that we submit ourselves to his will and his way. And say, God, how is it you want to use me? Now, going back to the, pre- you, can, you can keep it there, but going back to that previous slide, like a lot of times it is where your passion is. A lot of times it's where you are gifted, but how do you leverage that in order to help make himself known? And so what makes it an uncomfortable mission? First is mission includes our holy living. Christopher Wright wrote one of the best books on on the mission of God. He says our holiness is as much part of our missional identity as our personal <laughs> sanctification. Let me explain this a little bit. Coming out of seminary about a decade ago, my generation became excited about being on mission and being missional. That was kind of the terminology. Like, like these phrases kind of go through. And it's like, how are you going to be missional? How are you going to be on mission? So what that meant for most of my generation and my peers coming out of seminary is people were moving into the urban core Church planning became the thing to do. There was a time in history that it was like the last thing you'd want to do. That basically meant you weren't any good and no church would hire you. So you would go start a church. Um, and then young missionaries were sent to foreign contexts. All of those were good things. All those, some of those were a correction of things we hadn't seen happening before. But I agree with Brett McCracken when he said, but one thing my generation failed to realize, that as much as mission is a, is a going to in a geographical sense, It also involves a going out from worldliness, a leaving that is spiritual, mental, and attitudinal, abandoning the worldview of self-interest and adopting the worldview of God's mission. So in other words, what he's saying is sometimes our mission starts with ourselves, right? Not in the self-improvement self that our society and our world will talk about, but starts with ourselves like our own holiness. Because that's frustrating. Sometimes it's frustrating to live on mission in every day because the way that your heart is, the condition of your heart. And so we say we need to start there with ourselves because our hearts are prone to wonder. We're, we're prone to sin. But by allowing us to focus on our vertical relationship with God, then it allows us to focus horizontally on those around us. Second, mission includes all of creation. And so the good news of Christ's resurrection is the, is, uh, uh, the good news of all creation. And all of creation is groaning for redemption. Romans 8, 19-23 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, 
the redemption of our bodies. So we see that Christ reconciles all things back to himself, humans, animals, plants. So if you're a plant person, good news, God's reconciling plants back to himself. If you're an animal person, God's reconciling plants, uh, animals back to himself. Colossians 1, 19 through 20, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So being people of the resurrection, we of all people ought to be apathetic about the flourishing of the physical world God entrusted to us. So yes, we care about creation, all of creation. You know, in a city like ours, that's a really good thing. I think the church as a whole has done a bad job of this. And so we kind of like, oh, you guys don't care about this. But really, we can show like, no, we of all people do care about this. Because our God is the one who created this world. And so this is why we should be involved in conversations around climate change and reducing our carbon footprints and but then also defending the preciousness of life, the sanctity of marriage and family as good gifts from God, our creator. Third, mission requires us to serve and to speak. Our gospel witness involves both word, proclaiming, and deed. Proclamation, demonstration. So what does this mean? That at some point we must speak, we must share our lives. And that we exist to serve those around us. Charles Spurgeon. He said, if Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Atheist celebrity, Penn uh, Gillette, I think that's how you say his last name. He says something very similar, but from a different perspective. So once again, this is a very known atheist. He says, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe in everlasting life is possible and to not tell them about it? So yes, while sharing your faith can be uncomfortable, it's doable. And we must remember that regardless of any level of uncomfortableness or awkwardness, that it's worth sharing. I, I agree with this atheist here. That's why I quoted him. That sounds like a really unlovely thing to do. If we believe that you can have eternal life and that there's hope for, your, for you in this life, yet we decide I'm not going to share that with anybody. That's a really hateful thing to do. So yes, it's, it's uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable. It's doable. And here's the real guys remember. Guys, we don't have okay news. We don't have news like, hey, it's okay. We don't even have good, I mean, we say good news, it is good, but we don't have just good news. We have the best news. We have been handed the solution to the world's problem. We have been given the cure to the disease of sin. And so now we get to go and to share that with others. 1 Corinthians 2, 3-5. It says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So here's a simple thing that I would just encourage that you can do every single day before you leave your house. Holy Spirit, give me an opportunity to share your love and your grace with someone who needs it today. It's that simple. Just opening our eyes to the opportunities around us. Fourth, mission is costly. One of, the most un, one of the most uncomfortable aspects of a healthy mission 
is a sending culture, which means a time saying hard goodbyes. God is a sending God. God sent, God the Father sent Jesus the Son. Jesus sent out disciples. What do the disciples do? First disciples? They sent out other disciples. And healthy churches will send and multiply. And so, yes, as a church, we're about gathering, what we're doing right now, but we're also about scattering into, into those domains to engage on mission. And part of our vision is to multiply everything that we do. So tables, the smaller discipleship groups, we would like to see those multiply. Gospel community, we'd like to see those multiply. Down the road, maybe Hood River will be that spot. We'd like to see a church multiply. We'd like to see people sent out on mission, but it will be costly. Maybe one of the hardest ways is relational cost. Right? Think about it right now. We, those of us who gather in gospel community, we get to all be together. It's like a little mini reunion in the middle of the week. Right? And it can be stressful and it's hard to get there. But once we're there, it's like you know, we're enjoying food and company and studying and praying. But all of a sudden, if we grow and we multiply that, then it's like, well, no, I don't get to see half of those people. Hopefully it's the half I don't like as much. Just kidding. Um, but then we'd, actually, there's some relational costs that would be involved there. We, we have some in our, our church family who have already let us know, like, hey, eventually we're going over to this place in another country. There's relational costs. It's going to be hard. Right? I think the more we actually live out that value with the last week of family, the more I'm like, oh no, that's going to hurt. I don't know if I like that as much. It'll be costly with our resources, with our generosity, that we want to live sacrificially so that we can help the mission go forward. And fifth, and finally, mission is often mundane. I grew up thinking that missions was something that we sent people to do over there. You know, I had pictures in my mind, it's probably because I had an aunt and uncle who were missionaries in uh, Kenya. So in my mind, it was like, oh, missionaries are the people who go live in the African bush, wear funny clothing, and then they come home every three years on this thing called furlough, and they tell us crazy stories, and they give you, like, cool African swords. But for most of us, everyday mission is often mundane. So I want us to ask ourselves, why is it sometimes easier to go over there to the other side of the world than it is to go across the street to talk to our neighbors about Jesus? It can be uncomfortable to share our faith with people in our immediate context. Why? And I'm, and I'm agreeing with you in this. Matt's not saying, hey, you need to, I'm, I'm agreeing with you in this. Why can it be uncomfortable to do it with people in our context? Because they're in our context. <laughs> because we still have to live with those people. That's still my neighbor next door after I have that awkward conversation. That's still my coworker. That's still my whatever. And so if we're honest with ourselves, it's oftentimes easier to care for the foreigner over there than it is the person right here in front of us. The people we live day-to-day lives with, our neighbors, our, our coworkers, and people we do hobbies with. But mission, this is what I want us to hear. It isn't just something that's made possible by getting a passport and all of a sudden getting it stamped and going to another place. But it's something that informs everything that we do. We have summer interns, most summers you've met them, and this is one of the first things I have to correct in their thinking. They get here and they say, cool, we're on mission in Portland, and now I'm on a mission trip. I raised money for this short-term mission, to go on short-term missions, and I'm like, wait a minute, I want to correct the thinking there. I don't want you to think that they, like this pastor, they're all from Texas. I don't want this to imply that you weren't on mission in Texas, and all of a sudden you got on a plane and you flew halfway across the country, and now you're on mission. You were on mission back in Texas just as much as you're on mission here. You're just in a different context. You have a different address while you're here, and you eat different foods, and it looks a little bit different. And so in the same way that all of us are on mission, it just looks different. Maybe it looks different in our different neighborhoods and our different jobs. 
but not, we're not just staying people over there. We're staying on mission right here locally. Christopher Wright said, everything a Christian and a Christian church is, says, and does should be missional in its conscious participating in the mission of God and God's work. And so our everyday Monday mission includes this, being good fathers, being good mothers, being good children, waiting for mine to look at me, being good siblings, being good roommates, being good neighbors, being the best worker that your boss has. It includes just being good members of society, good citizens in our city. And this includes all of us collectively as a family, being the church, the community and city where God has called us, that we get to be a powerful witness. That as we live this out, that's why you've got this group of kind of the church of Portland on a call with the mayor's office. And these conversations, by the way, have been happening for about a year. This just happened to be the most recent one because they're recognizing we need this group of people. We don't believe what they believe, but we realize there's something there. And so we want to be that, even a small picture of that in our direct community as well. And so if you look at the big picture, most of us, if any of us, are going to be the Apostle Paul. Right? When we read the New Testament, I think I'll be like, I want to be that person. I want to be this. Most of us are going to be the people that you barely get to mention. You just flip the page and you think, is that, even, is that a name in the Bible? But that's life. That's, that's, it's okay. Most of life is pretty ordinary. But God has called us to live in this ordinary mission. And by giving ourselves to this week after week, it's a revolutionary act of mission. Because here's the thing. God has chosen the church as the organism. An imperfect one, yes, but as the organism to physically manifest his son and his good news to the world. And so we collectively get to do that. We collectively get to invite the world around us, the city around us, on a journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus. As we are learning, as we are disciples, and then we get to also pour into others as we make disciples. And so Sojourn, we have been called by God as a church to go to make disciples in the city of Portland, our nation, and our world. And one day, we'll be around the throne of Jesus And as the book of Revelation tells us in chapter 7, verse 9 through 12, it describes it this way. We'll be around that throne. And it says, A great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's what we've been invited into. This great mission and this great reward. that We'll, we'll be part of that. We'll be surrounding the throne of Jesus. And we won't be wondering how, how we got here. We were reminded that someone witnessed us and that we turned and witnessed to somebody else and that we made disciples and that God reconciled and brought us all together. And so as I finish this morning, I have three questions for you. Just self-reflection. The first is, are you a disciple? I don't worry that most of us will become staunch atheists. But whenever I do worry, I worry that we become passive in our apprenticeship to Jesus. And that Jesus is kind of an add-on when it's convenient. Rather than being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did in every aspect of life. 
Now, if you say, I'm, but I, I haven't been following Jesus that long, you're in a great position because we as the church are called to make disciples. So that includes all of us in this room that we can disciple one another. So let us, let us help with that. That's part of on Wednesday nights, we're going through these, these practices. We're kind of learning some of the practices that Jesus did with his life. Then we say, we, we're doing that because we also want to practice this. So we want to help disciple all of us. And then we also want to be able to help disciple others. So we're in this together. So don't, don't hear it and be overwhelmed or lost. Just say, man, let's have a conversation. You know, and there's different forms of discipleship. There's group discipleship, which is kind of what we're doing. And then there's some more personal discipleship. And I think how we're wired sometimes dictates how we, we will be apprenticed best. And so some of you might say, man, I just, I'd love to meet with somebody one-on-one. Let us know that. We have people who would be willing to meet with you to help figure out how you study Scripture and how do you pray and how do you, how do, you do these things, these spiritual practices. The second question is, are you a disciple maker? I think in every area of life, we have to think through intentionally. Am I bringing anyone along with me? Or who in my life could I bring along with me? And so for me, I look at this idea of evangelism, discipleship is a two-sided coin. That every single relationship we have, we can point people to Jesus, or we can disciple them further in Jesus. So who in your life can you say, I want to point them towards Jesus, towards this good news, whether they believe it or not? Or who, who is it you're saying that they already follow Jesus, but, but I, want to, I want to help encourage them further in that relationship? And my third question, have you joined the church in being a missionary? There are opportunities. And the invitation is for all of us to jump in and get involved with those. And then there's other opportunities that we're not going to even create as a church, that you as an individual might come up with, and that we can be invited to jump in with as a church. So hopefully you've seen our third value mission. It comes from the great commission of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he changes through his gospel message, that he's calling us to be a church family together, and that collectively now we get to live out his mission to our city, to our nation, and to our world. So let me pray for us as we reflect on those questions and then we're going to transition into the next part of our service. God, we come to you. We thank you first and foremost for our salvation. God, for that good news that we didn't deserve, but God, you willingly chose to come and take our place and invite us in to receive your gospel. So God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you that you've called us not only as individuals, but you've called us collectively as a group, as a church, as a family. And God, that you are our Father. And that you have sent us out on mission. That you have told us all authority is with you. In other words, all power is within you to make this a reality. But that you have invited us and given us a part to play. As we go out and make disciples here in Portland. As we go make disciples in our nation. And God, as we go make disciples in our world. And that we get to join in with our brothers and sisters globally. Who have all been given this mission as well. God, we are here as your willing servants. And we are here as your apprentices. We want to learn under you. God, we want to be with you. We want to become like you. And God, we want to do what you did. So we thank you and love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.